welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I am your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. And I am Mary Cravenaugh, Team Austin. Yeah, so it's not Hannah. Guys, <laughs> Hannah's Sorry. on a... <laughs> it's great. I'm so glad you're here co-hosting <laughs> with me. Hannah's on a boat this week um, in Portsmouth, I think. So, yeah, but, you know, we're meeting up next week and we're going to tape some more episodes. So I thought it would be good to bring in Mary and um, talk about the Jane Austen Festival, because Mary has actually been to the Jane Austen Festival. I have indeed. I have indeed. Yeah. The one in Kentucky, I should clarify, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Louisville. Yes. So you are, you are Team Austin. I am. Yes. All right. I mean, it's fine. Well, you know, you have to represent. It would be true. far too weighted if it was two Team Brontes. That's fair point. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> so how were you introduced to Jane Austen? Oh, you know, I have always been a book nerd, proud mm-hmm. book geek. And so I actually think the first time I was introduced to Jane Austen was the small three inch square illustrated annotated classics. Oh cute. Which were, you know, slightly above the um books that are out now that are the felted uh classics, oh, cozy classics. Yeah, cozy that classics. Say, yes, that say uh. sisters dance. Right. Mad. Um but it was close, so it was very annotated. Mm-hmm. Very abridged, but you got the the general idea for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're pretty young then. So you're probably I was. Like... I was. I was probably. It was preteen. I mean, okay. I would say like you know maybe ten. Uh, I was actually talking to a friend the other night about uh, he also read them, and mm-hmm. we were remembering David Copperfield and oh, yeah. Robin Hood, and you can still actually find them at many secondhand stores and. Mm-hmm. My aunt and uncle had them, uh, had a whole grouping of them because they would go to a lot of garage sales. Okay. So. I think, yeah, there was like a generation of like illustrated classics that I read. And I think, because my mom was big on pushing classics on me. And I remember The Count of Monte Cristo Mm -hmm. and Tom Sawyer, I think. Yeah. I remember those covers in particular. Yeah. But I wish I would have gotten a Jane Austen one. Yeah. So I, and so... I remembered reading them, and then it was, uh, back in the day, it was gym class in mm-hmm. my junior year of high school. Um, I had read Jane Austen since then, and I was also, you know, a teenager, and so at that point in the mid-90s, it was also the Anne Rice years of oh, the Vampire yes. Chronicles, and... I was in gym class and not feeling gym class, and there was a girl who was by me, and we were playing badminton, and we struck up a conversation about the Vampire Chronicles, and Mm -hmm. then Jane Austen came up, and she said, oh, I like Jane Austen, and I was like, you do? I do too! (laughs) And fast forward 20 years, she's my best friend, so I would, I believe that even if I had not met Jenny. I would be as big of a Jane Austen fan as I am. Mm-hmm. But that said, when, to quote a, another book, it's like falling in love when you meet your best friend. And mm-hmm. it really was that, it was just that moment. It was one of those momentous times in my life that I 
met her, she became my best friend, and she was also a huge Jane Austen fan, and so that only fed my love of Jane Austen. That's so, so perfect, too, because I think, like, the theme of this episode and what we'll be getting into later is very much about, like, how Jane Austen brings people together. It's really a lot less about the actual material, to be honest. Right. Um, people just really, like, Hannah and I, I mean, we obviously had a huge bond over Jane Austen. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of, like, it's totally perfect. It is. And... As we talk about the Jane Austen conference, it was with Jenny that I went. So most of my, many of my big Jane Austen moments are in my friendship with Jenny. Nice. Yeah. So now what's your favorite Austen book? It is Shocking No One, Pride and Prejudice. Nice! (laughs) Yes. In fact, my first car when I was 16 was named Mr. Darcy. Cute. Very cute. Yes. Very cute. So, I like it. I approve. Yes. I. It's my favorite, um, Austin as well. And Hannah likes to give me a lot of shit for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been asking like every guest that we have on this podcast, like, you know, what is your favorite? And then what's your least favorite? So what is your least favorite? Uh, you know, I don't really have a least favorite. Uh, Northanger Abbey is the one I've read the fewest okay least amount yeah i think but i don't really have one because there are like some of her juvenilia i just haven't read more than once mm-hmm. and so it, yeah it's kind of flips out of my mind so that's fair that's fair <laughs> yeah no that's i feel like that's a really popular like Northanger abbey is sort of like a very it's pretty much what people are saying yeah um i have to say a lot more people love persuasion than i thought i love persuasion <laughs> It's my least favorite. Okay. That's... But I am rereading and trying to look at it from a new angle for the okay. podcast. So we'll see what happens yeah. when I reread it. I will say that it is one that is, I think, has benefited from cinematic uh, portrayals yeah. and ad- adaptations. For sure. Um, so I, I don't know if I would love it as much if I... Oh, I was saying, like, isn't your boy in the adaptation? You mean RPJ? Yeah. Uh, Rupert Patrick Jones may be in one of the adaptations. Oh, yeah. I like Uh, that adaptation. Yes, it's very good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I forgot about that. So I I admit that's helped. Yes. All right. Okay. Good to know. So um, you and Jenny went to the Jane Austen Festival in Kentucky. How did this come about? So, uh, Jenny has been a far more tried and true Jasna member mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than I have. She has, on her bookshelves, she has a, an entire shelf dedicated to the annual collection. Mm-hmm. It goes out to members, and so she gets the newsletter. She would mm-hmm. often fill me in on the latest updates from the Jasna world, mm-hmm. and uh couple of years ago when it was going to be the 200th anniversary of Pride and Prejudice, she had decided that we should do a girls weekend and we should get tickets and we should go. And unsurprisingly, those sold out, I want to say even before, like the, the VIPs, I think, purchased them all. And so we, right. we did not have an opportunity. So it didn't work that year. So mm-hmm. then the next year, which was the 200th anniversary of Emma, um, she... As soon as the uh, tickets opened up, she said, let's go. So 
it was scheduled that Jenny, her mom, and I would go down to Louisville. Gonna make a girls' weekend out we of it. We did make a girls' weekend out nice. of it. Nice. Yes. And I should say, sidebar, guys, like, the reason we are talking about this Jane Austen festival, because, I mean, first of all, this is Austen versus Bronte, a podcast about Jane Austen and the Bronte sisters. But um, I am thinking about driving down to this festival next weekend. Um, this is all depending on whether or not I can get the air conditioning fixed in my car, uh, which, fingers crossed, will happen. Yes. Um, and then also I have interviewed the festival director, Bonnie Wise, which is coming up in just a few. So, um, so yeah, that's why we're uh, going on and on about this festival. Yes. Which is the largest uh, Jane Austen festival in North America. Yes. So, I yeah. believe I heard that depending on attendance, Bath and Louisville actually go back and forth. Oh, nice. And that may... That may have just been someone at the festival mentioning it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's 100% true mm-hmm. of about the numbers. But yeah, it's the biggest in the U.S. And they do uh, the annual festival and then the tea that I believe you are looking to go to. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's craziness. Like, I got to look at their website. Like, and I was like, oh, there are so many events. There are workshops. There's a, like... Um, string your own pearl necklace workshop this year. Okay. Ooh, yeah. That is lovely. That one's a little pricey. Yes. I yes. mean, you know, you get to take it home. So, yes. obviously. Um, did you do any of the workshop stuff? I did not attend mm-hmm. any workshops uh, at the festival. There were, when later there was the ball, there was a dance workshop and mm-hmm. there was a create your own bonnet. Oh, perfect. There was, yes. <laughs> Had I known. (laughs) But in October, when the festival happens Mm -hmm. uh, in the annual conference, you know, if you do go, you should make your own bonnet. I'm definitely going to make my own bonnet. 100%. Yes. Yeah. I'll probably walk around in like my LuLaRoe clothing, but then with a bonnet that I have made. And the thing is, you would not stand out at all. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I could do a hybrid. There was a hybrid. There were hybrids. There were people in, and it was Louisville in October, which can be warm or chillier. So there were people in shorts and Mm -hmm. short sleeve shirts and flip flops. And then there were people in full garb. Nice. Like down to the petticoats and probably even the like period appropriate undergarments. Nice. So what were you wearing? I was wearing uh, jeans and a t-shirt for when we arrived because I did not have any Austin appropriate. I did not have my dress at the time. Gotcha. Um, So I just wore my casual clothes. But Mm -hmm. then um, Jenny being a a wonderful enabler, we walked through, we attended a couple of uh, panels and presentations, and then there were various, um, there was a kind of a shopping area, so mm-hmm. there were people that were selling tea and selling bonnets and fascinators. So it's like a comic convention almost, it right, is. basically? It's, it's very similar to a comic convention. <laughs> and that's, that's a shared world of Mary and I, yes. basically. <laughs> Mary also, you work in publishing. I do. And then comics, as, so we go to all these book and comic conventions, so I'm like, that's the only convention I've really attended. Yes, so it is, yeah. so there is... Similar to a comic convention, there was kind of the, um, there were two separate sections because there was also um, costume display. 
Oh. And you could get china and oh. teas, and there was a little book. There were some booksellers, and so yeah. there were two areas. There was one that was more also like maybe a um, craft show where uh-huh. there's the the more um, the people have their businesses that kind of come in, mm-hmm. and and then there's more like the artist alley handmade section. Yeah. So when we attended jeans, t-shirts, and then there was a section, everyone received a little welcome bag, and you could actually also rent clothes just for the weekend, and they had a hairstylist, and so there was much like a comic convention for, like, cosplay, there Mm -hmm. were people who would do your hair, you could rent clothing, oh my gosh, or you could buy clothes, and so Jenny and I both bought dresses. Nice. Which, Were they pretty affordable? What do you think? Um, for quality work, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I think the dress I bought was like $100, $150. Okay. It did okay. go up in price. Mm-hmm. You know, there were ones that were far more. Mine was very everyday. It's a mm-hmm. strong cotton. But mm-hmm. they had ones that had lace and beading and... Full on. Yes. Okay. So. All right. I might have to invest. Yes. And I, I also did purchase um, some lace... Because, mm-hmm. you know, for modesty. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get a full-on dress, and I have to get a bonnet as well. Perfect. They, this they is, do have them. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what was the... So, the theme was Emma last year? The theme year. was Emma. Yeah, okay. And they had buttons. That one said, vote Jane, because mm-hmm. it was also, you know... Elections were being discussed and stuff. So there oh, was, God, yeah. Okay. There was Vote Jane and Vote Emma. Okay. And Cute. so everyone got a welcome bag, and you mm. either had Jane or Emma pins. Cute. That Cute. were very fun. Now, Emma is another one that people say, like when I ask them what their least favorite one is, that one comes up a lot. Okay. I would say Northanger Abbey and Emma, Emma as well. Where do you stand on Emma? Um, You know, overall, I enjoy it. Um. Mm. You know, I'm the right age for Clueless, so... I mean, it's the best adaptation, is the thing. It, it, is, it is a good one, and I have to say, I was just listening to the episode with the pub trivia, which I really wanted to attend, but I was out mm-hmm. of town, and I could not think of the third adaptation of Actresses Who Played Emma, so... But Kate Beckinsale, I was like, oh, Kate that's Beckinsale. right. Yeah. That's right, so... I think we all forget about... Kate Beckinsale. I know. Well, at least in Austin adaptations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I don't know if you've seen Love and Friendship. Yes. <sighs> yes, I have. Fantastic. Yes. And I mean, just she looks even better. She does. In Love and Friendship than she did in Emma. I mean, part of that is the quality plastic surgery that she has had. <laughs> Top notch. But also just just aging. Well, just a beautiful gal. I mean, she has to. Well, she has to stay like. Celine, there's like you have to stay perfect yeah. so she can get into that leather and fight the lichen. Yeah, I mean it is a rule. Oh my god! But um, yeah, you know Emma, I I have enjoyed reading it and listening to it and mm-hmm. and enjoyed the adaptations. Um, I think it's it's interesting. You know it. I think that there are certain people like if you hated being that teenage girl mm-hmm. or you hated those teenage girls. I think yeah. that there is that level. And I I didn't totally relate to Emma, but mm-hmm. I didn't 
I didn't have too many Emmas in my life. Okay. So gotcha. I think that they're... So you're in like a safe zone. Yeah. 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 That makes sense to me. So I, I can see why... Because Emma really can get on people's nerves, and I can mm-hmm. understand why. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. And it's hard, too, I guess, when you're comparing and contrasting with other Austin heroines. Like, Lizzie is so relatable. I mean, they tell me that Anne Elliot is so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell you how many women have been like, I am Anne Elliot. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I do understand, like, her struggle. And I do right. understand, you know, she is, you know, how shy she is and... I guess. I guess. But anyway. Right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. Um, but I, f- I find Emma to be really, really funny. There's oh. more really just great one-liners in that book that mm-hmm. just, uh, I don't know. She's like, like Austin is like Neil Simon to me in a way. Okay. You yeah. know, just can really like just, she gets people and just like can just get right to the heart of them. I oh, yeah. Know. Yes. Great singers in that book. But yeah. There are. And then and Emma falls into the snarkier yeah. area, too. And, yeah, I I think cool has probably helped, you know, grease the wheels of not disliking her. Yeah, for sure. As well as enjoying the book overall. Mm-hmm. So, For sure. Emma, not bad, guys. Check it out. <laughs> Reread it. Yeah. Go for it. See see what's in there. And just, yeah. if you really need, you know, I mean, Johnny Lee Miller and, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I'm Romola like, Garay. And um, the Knightley in um, the Glenn Jeremy Northam. Yes, yeah, Jeremy Northam. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't suck. Yeah, it doesn't suck. <laughs> Knightley doesn't suck. No. <laughs> That's true. Gwyneth, I'm mixed feelings on. Yeah. You know, similar bringing in a minor Doctor Who thing. It's kind of mm-hmm. Amy Pond mm-hmm. without Rory is it's I think Knightley and Emma are in an area like Amy Pond and Rory. That's really interesting. That he helps make her better. Yes. And yeah, helps with some of the edges. So I like that. I agree with that. I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> um, Hannah would never say it. Not a Doctor Who fan. But I'm always yeah. trying to get it in here. Yes. So I got a who in there. Yes. <laughs> Even though she's Team Austin, she should come back here more often. <laughs> Yay! I no, will. <laughs> no, you like the Bronte, so I'll just I ask you that quickly. Yeah, I like, do. What is your favorite? You know, I've read Jane Eyre's more than a few times, so yeah. it is. It's it's the common answer, mm-hmm. but it's a great book. It is. It is. It's a great, wonderful book. So. I'm trying to make Anne Bronte happen. I know. This is, you know, this is it my is, thing. And, and I'm trying. And you know what? I will gladly take recommendations to expand Excellent. my Bronte. Excellent. Give Tenant. Give give it give it a, a read. Okay. Great. It's a great book. Okay. But you you will be back. I will. So um, yes. we are going to be taping a Naughty Bonnets episode of this podcast. So uh, Mary is reading a naughty version of Pride and Prejudice for this podcast. Yes. And she's going to come back and tell us her thoughts, um, along with Megan Bird, who's in our pub trivia episode, and um, our friend Summer. And uh, yeah, we're going to do like a little round table and talk about Austin erotica, Austin and Bronte erotica. And um, yeah, so if any of you guys are writing or reading Austin or Bronte erotica, 
you know, hit us up at Bonnets at Dawn. I want to hear your thoughts. I want you to be involved. Use the hashtag Naughty Bonnets. But yeah, more on that later. So um, I'm going to just switch this over to our interview. Like I said, I was interviewing Bonnie Wise in the podcast this week. So here is Bonnie's bio. Usually Hannah reads these in her lovely English accent, but just, you know, pretend. So Bonnie sent me this bio and it's so cute. And she said, you know, I'm married to my college sweetheart. Go IU, a true Mr. Darcy, two grown up children, work at Locust Grove, 1790, a 1790 Georgian farm in Louisville, where the uh, Jane Austen Festival is located. Uh, Bonnie is being also like really uh, modest in this bio, by the way, because she is the founder of the Greater Louisville Jane Austen Society and also of this Jane Austen Festival. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's a fascinating woman. I, I love what I love about this project is that I'm meeting so many women who are just like going out there and like doing it for themselves and just like starting something based on, you know, this thing that they love. So, yeah, it's a great interview. Had a great time talking to Bonnie. I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, it's kind of one of those perfect storms where um, I I found out one day, oh my gosh, there are like regional Jane Austen societies around. And so I went down to my boss and I said, we need to start one here because there's not one in the whole state of Kentucky. And she said, great, let's do it. Of course, that meant me. Right. And, uh, we had like, I think, 34 people at our very first meeting. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So how long ago was that? 10 years ago. Okay. And how'd you get the word out? Like, how'd you find these Janeites? Did you go on the internet or how'd you guys, you know? Uh, well, it was, like I said, it was a perfect storm because the movie uh, Becoming Jane was coming out. Mm -hmm. And I, I do the marketing for Locust Grove. So I knew that this was a perfect time to put the word out. So the newspaper did an article and then I contacted the theater where um, the movie was premiering. And so we sat up a table, information table one night and passed out flyers and told mm -hmm. them we were starting a Jane Austen Society. And so we had like 34 people at our very first meeting. That's amazing. <laughs> It was. <laughs> I love it. So um, what kind of events did you guys do at first? Like, how did you kind of get the ball rolling with them? Besides, you had the, the film screenings. And then what else did you guys do? Uh, we, we just started off right away with having um, meetings. Um, the um, We meet every month, which is a little unusual. Most of the uh, Jasna regions only meet every other month or yeah. quarter. But we felt like, you know, we're not going to really get to know each other very well if mm -hmm. we do that. And so we decided to go for it and meet monthly. And we have great programs. And so um, we've just been really lucky that way. And some of them are from our own members. And we bring people in, you know, from uh, surrounding regions and whatever. And mm -hmm. so we've had some great, great, great programs. And then the very next year, um, I started the festival. After I went to the first Jasna AGM in Vancouver, I came back and said, we can do something here too. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So you just jumped right in. You're like, I'm just doing it. I'm creating my own chapter and I'm doing a festival. <laughs> that That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So you, I'm guessing you had to pull together a team. Yes. And you all had to have like a special skill. 
you know, it's kind of funny because everybody has a special skill. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it kind of worked out really well. I have, um, true confession, I, I've had plenty of experience organizing events and actually even festivals. So mm-hmm. uh, I came back and said, oh, you know, most of these other reasons are having book fairs. I said, let's have a real fair. <laughs> And uh, they're like, okay. And we had 660 people at our very first festival. Oh, my gosh. So what did that festival look like? Nothing like what we have now. (laughs) (laughs) It's really morphed. Uh, But, you know, so is the organization. So Mm -hmm. we had a few vendors. We served afternoon tea. Mm -hmm. And for our very first festival, um, I invited Joan Ray, who um, was a three-time at least two-time national president of JASNA, Mm -hmm. and she also wrote the Jane Austen for Dummies book. Oh, nice. Okay. She's now retired um, 18th century literature professor, but um, she she was just marvelous, and she said, people ask me, why did you do that? And she said, they paid me (laughs) (laughs) $10,000. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, That's so we got so because of who she was, a lot of people came to hear her speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so later she told me I was on the phone saying these people are really organized; they can host an AGM, which is the annual general meeting. Mm-hmm. And so in 2015, we did. We had the uh, Jane Austen annual meeting in Louisville. <laughs> That's amazing. So um, now, like, in what ways has the festival grown? So. How is it different? What do you guys got going on this year? What can I expect? Wow. Well, it's just, it's a lot bigger. We have a lot more vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot more activities, um, demonstrations, workshops. I mean, we pretty much just totally invade and take over Locust Grove for the weekend. They're very good about it. And it's good for them too. But, mm-hmm. you know, we just, we really encompass the whole place. Right. <laughs> What kind of um, vendors do you guys have? Oh, gosh, we have fabulous vendors who sell, uh, you know, books and patterns and fabric, ready-made day dresses and ball gowns and caps and the whole thing. I mean, we have like, I'm just guessing off the top of my head, 20 vendors. Oh, nice. And uh, some of them, just a couple of them are set up in bonnets. Oh, we have a couple of them. I was about to say, can I buy a bonnet? (laughs) Oh, yes. And uh, so there's a couple set up inside uh, and then, but most of them are set up outside under period tent. So mm-hmm. we kind of call it Meriton. So, okay. uh, so yeah, it's kind of, it's just, it's just a real trip. And we have now we have approximately 2000 people who come from 25 States plus. Oh my gosh. Including Canada and somebody's coming this year from Australia. Really? Oh, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> they have a strong Jane Austen scene. I have to say, as soon as I started the podcast, like a lot of people from Australia found us. Really? They, yeah. lo- they love Jane. Uh, yeah. The lady that organizes the Jane Austen Festival in uh, Australia, uh, Alwyn Gardner, Garden, Gardner, Garden, she's been a guest of mine uh, at our house. Um, the year uh, 2015, the year we hosted the, uh, the AGM, we decided we could not also have the festival that year that we wouldn't stay sane and our husbands would probably divorce us. Sure. Makes sense. (laughs) So Locust Grove had sort of a placeholder event, a nice little event. We've kind of helped sponsor it. And Mm -hmm. so, um, Alwyn's husband, John is, um, 
a kind of, I guess you would call him a master English country dance teacher plus all time periods. And mm-hmm. so they were on this North American uh, tour. And so we invited them to come to Louisville and we ho- I hosted them at my house, which was really fun. So now at the festival, I'm guessing there's going to be some afternoon teas. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, We have five seatings each day and we're going to serve approximately 600 people. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. And (laughs) there's some dancing as well. Oh, yes. The Grand Ball sold out in one hour flat. Crazy. Now, Now, what's the capacity on that? 200. Oh, my gosh. And we have 90 people on the wait list to get in. Oh, my gosh. I know it's it's insane. So I don't know. We've tried to find a larger venue, but it's problematic. So I don't. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Some people will get in because believe it or not, a lot. Of- well, people do change their mind about coming, you know, something comes up. And then sure. some people don't actually, they buy a ticket and they just don't show up. Okay. So some people will get in, but it's it's sad that there's that many on the wait list. <laughs> it's amazing, though. Um, I can't wait to see it. I, I'm sort of like making just like a last minute trip down there. Okay. So I probably won't get to do too many of the extras, but I do love that the festival is like so affordable, too. So I don't know if you want to tell people like the it pricing is, on maybe- that. Yeah, it's very affordable. Um, $12 a day. Friday night, our Twilight shopping event. So if you're into shopping, you better come Friday and get the first pick on all the goods. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's only $6. And um, that includes all these wonderful, you know, entertainment and demonstration and all these different people, you know, the uh, the, the uh, Acasta Royal Navy encampment. Yes, there are men dressed in costume, too. And <laughs> We've got a Punch and Judy show, and then there's shadow puppet stories in the basement, and there's a traveling musician, and, you know, just all kinds of cool stuff. Friday night, we have Lord Nelson and Napoleon there. Oh, my God. (laughs) And they are from Colonial Williamsburg, and they're going to present Gods of War. That's amazing. So my co-host Hannah, she is obsessed with Nelson. Like, it's going to get a tattoo of Nelson. (laughs) I, I got a tattoo for the first time. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. My daughter extracted a promise out of me 10 years ago when my grandmother died. Mm-hmm. And so this past June, she uh, said, it's time to live up to your promise, Mom. <laughs> so it's a very sweet little bluebird on my ankle. Oh, very nice. Very nice. For a minute there, I was going to say, like, oh, my God, is it is it Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> no, but. <laughs> but, you know, you can think about it. You think about it. <laughs> Well, actually, I'm thinking about another one. It, it is kind of addicting. My daughter has lots of tattoos. I'm not going to go there, but mm-hmm. I was thinking about getting one more. <laughs> they say once you get one, it's an addiction. So, And the thing is, the lady who did my tattoo, she says, women my age are her demographic. And I said, oh. really? I'm 60. I was 60 when I got it and 61 now. And she said, yeah, once women retire, a lot of women are getting tattoos. <laughs> Interesting. I know. So- Thought. <laughs> so would you think about getting like a Jane Austen inspired tattoo? Actually, I'm thinking of a pole dark one. Oh, oh, you are strong in the pole dark fandom. I am, but I, I love Jane Austen. And I, you can have more than one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. You can. <laughs> so now I'll dial this back a bit because I'm curious to know just like what got you, you know, into Jane Austen. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I hadn't read the books. Uh, I found Jane Austen through uh, Emma Thompson's Sense and Sensibility. Okay, yeah. I hear that a lot, actually. 
Um, I went to a small rural high school. I don't. I don't think I'd even heard of Jane Austen when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, one of the magazines uh, I subscribed to, Victoria. They used to do these beautiful spreads on period drama movies and I saw that and I was like oh you know and um, so I forget how I might have had to buy it I don't even know if it was in the theater around here so I bought it I think and I was just like oh this is this is marvelous and so then I was like oh then I found Pride and Prejudice and Mm -hmm. all the others you know so I, I you know obviously I own many copies of all the different ones you know <laughs> watched yeah. them to death so um then about gosh my daughter was in high school and her high school theater troupe was going to go to the fringe festival in edinburgh mm-hmm. and so we were going to go for part of the time and i said oh my god i've got to go to bath and so <laughs> And I found out then that they had a Jane Austen festival. I was like, oh, I want to come back. I started my own before I went back to theirs. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that just one thing leads to another and it just totally sucks you in. (laughs) Yeah. So um, which Austen is your favorite? You know, that's like picking your favorite child. Mm -hmm. So I like to say... I think her most underappreciated work is Persuasion. I mean, people love Persuasion. (laughs) And I also tell them, you know, because sometimes people are like, oh, it's kind of hard to read. I said, you know what? Persuasion reads very much like a modern novel. I said, try that one first. And then I said, the 1995 version of the movie is the best one. Ooh, okay. All right. Okay. Amanda Root and Karen Hines. People love it. So my co-host, that is her favorite, Austin. She is constantly going on about Anne Elliot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Anne. Yes. Yeah, so Anne. next year, that's going to be the theme of our festival because it's the two hundred and it's the last book anniversary next year. Oh. So I have gotten. I'm, I'm working on three different proposals, and we may have to take them all for, uh, you know, Jane Austen and the Navy, and you know, all kinds of cool stuff. So next year is going to be a really cool theme. <laughs> okay, so next year I have to plan to get Hannah there as well because yes. she will love that. What's the theme for this year? Uh, Jane Austen's legacy. Okay. And our featured speaker is Dr. Cheryl Kinney, who is from the Dallas-Fort Worth region. She's very well known in the Jane world. She travels the world talking about Jane. And I gave, and she's a, <clears throat> an OBGYN, mm-hmm. and she normally talks about medical female, you know, issues and stuff. And I said, you know, Cheryl, I said, I want to give you this topic and see if you can run with it. And mm-hmm. she said, okay. And I said, the eulogy Jane Austen should have had. Okay, very nice. And so she's doing it. <laughs> so it's interesting. Our Jasna chapter, um, and sadly, I'm going to miss this event because I'm going to be in England, but um, they're doing eulogies for Jane, actually, mm-hmm. on July 29th. So everyone is writing their own eulogy and presenting well, actually, it. So I'm actually, very curious. Actually, you write an elegy. Oh, God. The Sorry. eulogy is the oral spoken and the elegy is okay. the the reason I know this is because we're doing a morning procession, M O U R N, 
And one of the ladies who's a historic reenactor that um, comes to our event, you will meet her. Her real name is Carol, but she she's kind of like Lady Catherine de Bourgh. She condes- okay. She she is Lady Caroline Linnington, and she condescends to speak to you. <laughs> She's a hoot. And so she, it was kind of a joint effort. Um, she knew we wanted to do this. And so her husband is the minister. We have a real 18th century church service on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And um, so we are going to have this morning procession complete with a handmade wooden casket with a pall. And... Gosh. She gave, we had a special meeting where she gave us, uh, told us her research. It's fascinating, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. The term pallbearer today, the way, way I understand it, is different from what they called a pallbearer. Okay. The pallbearer didn't carry the casket. They carried the tassels that are, the pall is the cloth that covers the casket. And so the pallbearers carried the tassels. And so, because Jane Austen presumably was a virgin, her pall is white. The, there will be six ladies dressed in white with white um, uh, netting on, kind of a netting covering their heads that will be carrying the, the tassels of her pall. And the elegies that we are encouraging people to write, which if you go to our website, there's a section on how to write an elegy, and she wrote it. And those will be pinned to the pall, and it'll be part of the morning procession. Oh, my gosh. And we are del- taking them, our delegation are taking them to Jane Austen's House Museum in Chawton in September, and they're going to display them. Oh, really? Oh, nice. It's all very interesting. And she told us that you didn't just go to a funeral, you were invited. Mm -hmm. So everybody who is part of the morning procession will have their invitation. Now, let me be clear here. We're not reenacting Jane's funeral. We're just doing this morning procession. So um, my husband will be all dressed in black will be at the head of the procession with a I think he called it the dirge bell because he's in the handbell choir at our church there's this large bell I think he called it the dirge bell Mm -hmm. and so he will be doing the bell and there will be four men who are holding the beer that carries the casket and then the entire procession behind that will have not only their invitation but their sprig of rosemary because you see and the day you had been falling behind a dead person who'd been dead for several days. So you carried sprigs of rosemary. (laughs) Makes sense. Makes sense. Yes. (laughs) So it's just going to be amazing. (laughs) My gosh. So um, I feel bad. Like, okay, so you know I'm not coming in costume, but now I feel bad. Now I need a dress. Well, buy one. And you know I'll buy one one Friday. (laughs) And there's not, and you know, you don't have to wear black. This is the other interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Um, there are different different levels of mourning. Also, um, you know, if you weren't that closely related to the, the person, you might not have all black or be required to wear all black. So black, gray, purple, all are the different stages of mourning. We're also going to be selling, uh, we got black silk, crepe we're going to be selling sashes so um 
you know, people couldn't afford to make a new dress or maybe didn't have time or the inclination to dye a dress black or whatever. And mm-hmm. so you could wear a black sash. So we're going to have sashes that we're going to sell very cheaply to put on your dress to be part of the morning procession. Oh, nice. Very nice. Now, did I tell you the BBC said they're coming? No. What's going on there? Well, I guess they were Googling because this is the 200th anniversary of her death. Right. They were looking for who's doing what and they came across our festival and they contacted us i've talked to the guy twice and he says they're coming it's the bbc travel channel <gasps> that's amazing so i'm just like oh i hope they come because we've been telling everybody they're coming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't make a liar out of me <laughs> is this your full-time job heavens no i'm a volunteer i don't even get paid <laughs> my goodness <laughs> Yeah, that's what I tell people, you know, you know, uh, they'll come to our Facebook page. Oh, I hope I can come to, you know, someday or maybe next year. And, you know, I usually put in there, you know what, this this event's run entirely by volunteers. There's, you know, next year's not automatically a given, you know. Right. Yeah. The people in Bath are paid, you know, to put that event on. So, you know, so, you know, I hope we can take it for a long time. But, you know, it just depends on the people and how long they're willing to, you know, put the effort in. So. Yeah, well, it but, sounds like you have a really strong chapter. Are you guys still meeting monthly? Yep, we do. Nice. And um, when you're not, I'm, I'm sure planning the festival takes up a good portion of your meeting times. Uh, we have our own separate meeting. Okay. Uh, we start in January and meet monthly. Okay, so you start in January. That's not too, that's not too bad. Nope, but after the festival's over, we have like a festival wrap-up meeting and everybody's issue report, what went well, what could we do better, anything go badly, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, I try to have the next year's theme uh, ready in place for the AGM in October so we can take flyers and say, here's what we're doing next year. And then then we take the rest of the pretty much the winter off and start again in January. Now, would you be willing to tell me any of the like maybe events uh, that didn't work so well with the festival in the past, things that have like fallen away? You know, really nothing badly. Last year, we uh, tried to have um, two workshops run concurrently in the same tent, and that didn't go well. Okay. <laughs> so we're not doing that again. <laughs> what kind of workshops do you guys have? Oh, gosh. This year, we have some really uh, nice, well, they're always, always great. It just depends on, you know, what. We have a netting workshop, which is sold out with people waitlisted to get in so we asked him if he'd do a third one and he said yes mm-hmm. uh we have two different quill um writing workshops those have sold out with waitlist um we have a string your own pearl necklace Ooh. and it's kind of expensive we're like mm, sold out <laughs> hundred dollars a person oh um and then one of our vendors, she wanted to have workshops. And I said, you know what? Our, we only have so much time under the tent. She said, well, can we do it in our tent? And I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's got, she's, um, she makes uh, authentic um, cosmetics and creams and potions and things. And so oh. she's, um, oh, and they also share a tent with people. You can get your hair done there. Oh, very nice. So Friday, I'm getting my hair done. Mm-hmm. And then will that be your hairstyle the whole weekend? You think you'll be able to like 
keep it the whole weekend? No, because Friday night I'm not going to wear a bonnet or cap or anything, but Saturday and Sunday I'm wearing um, bonnets. But Friday night I have um, a French Parisian costume plate inspired outfit because we're going with the French theme because we have Napoleon and mm-hmm. and whatever. And um, so I went with kind of a French theme. And we're, we bought... Um, quarter inch red silk ribbon for people to tie around their neck do you know what that means i don't tell me it means you had sympathy for the people who lost their heads Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <To> madame guillotine <laughs> now um how many bonnets do you own just curious oh my goodness i don't i don't know many. <laughs> too many i bought two new ones this year um I have at least a dozen, probably more. I have over three dozen outfits. Oh, nice. And growing, I, I'm sure. I, I make them all. Um, oh, do you? Oh, nice. I make all my clothes. In fact, my morning outfit's completely hand-sewn. What is it about Jane Austen and her legacy? Like, why, how, why has that endured, do you think? What is it about her, her work? I think it's truly timeless. I mean, that's just the key to it, I think. It's just timeless. And we're back. Yay. Interview is over. <laughs> I feel I have a feeling this is gonna be a long one. That was a it was a nice long interview, but Bonnie was like a really fascinating lady, so I, I really want to know yeah. if I met her when I was down there. I'm sure you did. I'm sure she was the best dressed woman down there. She probably was, and we probably she probably was the one who was leading the ball and the dance yes. and the promenade. Yeah. yeah. Which was just amazing. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I can't wait. I will tell you guys all about it. If I make it down there next week, of course, I'll probably do like some live podcasting just directly to my phone, which John will really hate, but yeah. (laughs) But it'll (laughs) be great. And you know, you know, it's dedication when there are men and women that are willing to dress up in period garb in Louisville in July. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, October was warm, and that was in an air-conditioned hotel. Mm-hmm. Mid-July, that's dedication. <sighs> Absolute dedication. Yeah. yeah, families doing it together, they coming are. together over their love of Jane Austen. The number of fans will just be. There was yeah. probably going to be some non-period uh, fans because I have a feeling there's mm-hmm. going to be some of those USB into your phone, but mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. kind of have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. So it'll be great. Hopefully, make it down there. It'll be a great time. I know for sure Hannah and I are planning on going next year because it's going to be uh, persuasion themed. So, yes, Mary, please join us. All right. We're going to do a girls' trip. Yes. Just, you know, pack up the Subaru, go down to Louisville, uh-huh. wear my sailor hat. Wear your sa- of, yeah, I yeah. Get a little bit of Admiralty garb going on. Oh, my on. God. <laughs> it's going to be Wentworth City. Oof. Yes. They should do speed dating there. Yes. That would be amazing. That's one oh. thing I don't think that they have going on down there. I, I did not see that. No. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to suggest it to Bonnie. Just going to like All throw right. it out there. I think like, it's great. FYI. I'll wear my t-shirt dating. that says I dig boys on boats. Yes. Yep. People would love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love it. Yeah. <laughs> So if any of you guys are going to the festival, um, hit me up at Bonnets at Dawn. I um, would love to meet up with you, even if it's just like three minutes. Just give you a hug. Thank you for listening to the podcast. All that good stuff. I'll give you a pin. Um, But yeah, um, 
So I'd like to say thank you, Mary, for joining us. You're for- welcome. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It was I fun. I can't wait to have you back for Naughty Bonnets. Excellent. Oh, I am so looking forward to that. And now, if people want to find you on the internet and talk to you um, about publishing or knitting. Uh, knitting. She's a big knitter, you guys. She's a great knitter. So Yes. Uh, especially, you know, Austin Knits, which yes. I need to delve into. But, yep, um, on Instagram and on Twitter, I am Purdy Mary Kay. That's P-U-R-D-Y Mary Kay. Mm-hmm. Um, because Elliot Smith has a song named Pretty Mary Kay. Oh. And that's often taken, so I change it to Purdy. Purdy. So, yep. Aww, so you can that's find me. Cute. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So one of my uh, dating profiles, the headline was Elliot Smith wrote a song about me. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. So P U R D Y Mary Kay. All right, give her a follow and give me a follow on Instagram and on Twitter at bonnets at dawn um thank you guys for listening and i will talk at you next week bye